This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Dave Baker, president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, the most inspiring place on earth, and you're listening to Ira Kaufman and Clark Judge on the I Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're both Hall of Fame voters, but we are not, and I say not, standing in the Hall of Fame. However, today's guest, yeah, he is. And that would be Pro Football Hall of Fame President and CEO, David Baker, here live from Canton, Ohio, to tell us, and you, about next week's Board of Selectors meeting that will choose the Hall's modern era class of 2021. David, thanks so much for joining us. Clark, Ira, great to be with you guys uh, here at the most inspiring place on earth in the bus room itself, uh, where we're, we're going to add, uh, you know, it, it does change lives. Uh, I, I don't know if you happen to see the, uh, you know, the NFL Network show that announced the finalist, uh, but a wonderful interview in there by, uh, you know, by uh, uh, one of our greatest, you know, coaches, uh, Coach Tony and who is now a selector, by the way, as well. And, and Tony said he knows that this is going to change Peyton's life. You know, we all know Peyton's going to be in. Right. It, it may take 10 seconds, but he says, this is going to change Peyton's life. And he says, I know, because it changed mine. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think we, you know, I frequently start these meetings, as you know. Uh, I don't have a vote. You have the votes, but I administer the meetings. And we talk about the fact that it is going to change people's lives, and it does. So thank you guys for the – I hope all your listeners understand the incredible fiduciary duty that you have and that each of you respect, uh, because we've got 48 elite, incredible selectors. And, to, you know, to a person, you know, they each handle this responsibility, um, you know, with incredible uh, – almost a sacredness because they know they're going to change people's lives and speak for the history of the game. Thanks for doing this, Dave. We appreciate it very much. And uh, Dave, I'm going to take you back to February or March when Dave, you had all these plans for the summer uh, of 2020 and then a pandemic uh, broke loose across the nation. Dave, sum it up for us. How challenging a year was it for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Well, I'll tell you, it was a, a dark year here, uh, but I think it has been for all of America. We're, we're not in any different situation than anybody else, Ira. But, you know, the, the hall had never been closed, and all of a sudden we were closed for 93 days. 
we had staff issues we had to take care of. We, we got to make sure our team, and we were about to enshrine 20 guys for 2020 with a special centennial class uh, that you and a blue ribbon panel had uh, selected. Um, but, you know, each one of them understood. And, and now, you know, we're going to have twice the fun in 21 uh, because we're not only going to have those 20 guys, um, but we're also going to have the class of 21. Uh, we'll do one on Saturday and the other one on Sunday. Uh, we'll combine them for the parade. We'll have the game with the Steelers. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be the greatest gathering in the history of football. Uh, it, it is likely to be the first full stadium uh, that America's had for football in two years. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great way to begin again. And, and I just want to say, too, if I could, uh, I, I'm really proud of the game, the league, the commissioner, and all his team, because I think what they've done uh, this year is historic. I mean, as you know, we guard the history of the game here at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, Ohio State, which is honored here in Ohio in a big way, they had three games canceled, just one team. Uh, the NFL played 256 games plus the playoffs, um, and, and they pulled all these people together, all the networks, everything else. And I think that was important for America. It was important for us to have some normalcy, important to, for us to have something we love. But it was also an important message that, hey, if we can do this, then maybe we can educate our kids or get the economy going or make advances in healthcare. And to me, that's what sports and the game of football in particular does. Uh, it is a wonderful metasaur. So we had big plans last year, Ira. Uh, we had to call an audible. And uh, now we're going to have twice the fun in 21. Dave, uh, talking about um, the class of 2021, the modern-day players, Dave, I, I'm not sure they're going to be in Tampa this week, which would be normal for them to be there, the 15 finalists. But, Dave, can I assume that the plan is to introduce them uh, at the Super Bowl? Well, let me tell you, they, they, you know, they have always been introduced at the, uh, the, the, um, the, the honor show, and yeah. we're going to continue with that tradition this year. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing it a little bit differently. We're going to be having our selectors meeting virtual. Uh, I think we're going to announce tomorrow this very special um, uh, calculation uh, technology that we're going to use. We've used it already. Some of you guys have experienced it, uh, but that'll be available for that meeting where we will know not instantaneously, but pretty quickly. And traditionally, we've had you know, uh, you know, 10 different accountants there uh, counting all these balance, and it took a long time. Uh, but we'll have that uh, in, in our meeting on the 19th, uh, but we will certainly roll out those who are selected as the honor show, as we always have. Um, you know, and, and the guys who are selected, yeah, we anticipate that they'll be at the Super David, and, and we're speaking with Pro Football Hall of Fame President and CEO David Baker on the iTest for Two. But David, quick question here. We're meeting next Tuesday, January 19th. Typically, if this were not a pandemic year, we'd be meeting the day before the Super Bowl. Instead, we're meeting two and a half weeks early. Why so early? Well, we, we want to make sure it happens, first of all. Uh, we wanted to make sure when we polled all of our selectors, uh, there was probably only half of them who thought that they were going to go through the Super Bowl. So many of them not. Uh, we want to do it at a time where, I mean, you're all working in the business, you know, so, you know, your days are planned out. Um, we thought this was the best opportunity to do it. And then we've got to go through the process of, uh, you know, very confidentially notifying who wins, 
you know, and, or not, I shouldn't say who wins, who's selected and who's not selected. And, and that is always a difficult process, Clark, because um, as you guys know, you're close to a lot of the guys who, you know, you're voting on. But um, everybody gets to see me knock on the door. And last year was a great year because, you know, once we got through with that blue ribbon panel, um, we came to my office, we opened up the envelope. And I will say, it's always a surprise to me. I'm sitting in the meeting for 10 hours like you guys. I hear all the debates. And then when I open up the envelope, you're, there's some surprises there. Um, but one of the surprises was that we had uh, Coach Cower on Saturday uh, in New York uh, on, you know, uh, on CBS. And we had Coach Johnson on Fox on Sunday in L.A. And we kind of checked the flights and put stuff together and said, yeah, we could do this. And the reason for that certainly isn't for people to get to see Dave Baker. The reason is for them to, for fans to understand the emotions of these guys and how much it runs deep. Mm -hmm. um, I've now done this for 70, 80 guys. And when you knock on their door, they're not thinking about how much money they make. They're not thinking about how many Pro Bowls they made. Uh, they are always thinking about their mom that drove them to practice or their dad that didn't let them quit or that coach that inspired them to be more or their teammates who, who, who helped them on the way. They you know, it, it's like it all rushes to them at that moment. Um, the, the real challenge and the thing that fans don't see, but again, we want fans to see that emotion. When, when, when we told Bill Power, Bill, you guys know Bill, Bill's got that huge jaw and all he wants you to see is the strength of that jaw and how solid he is and how stoic he is. Uh, but man, when I told him and then we had his uh, wife and daughter, you know, walk on immediately after, I mean, he's sobbing. He is absolutely sobbing. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was crying and, and couldn't breathe. I uh, had to go to an inhaler during the break. Uh, <laughs> and that's what it means. It's that emotional to these guys. Um, but what fans don't see is I've also got to call and notify uh, those who aren't selected. And, and just to be a finalist in this makes them probably one of the 900 best players in the history of the over 300 million young men and now women that have played this game. Uh, so it is an incredible honor to be a finalist, but they're also the most competitive people in the world. Yeah. And, and, and we, we, we do not want, we hate disappointing them, but we certainly don't want to disrespect them. So that whole process actually uh, takes some time to get ready. Uh, well, certainly in this COVID environment, Clark. Uh, typically, as you know, um, Ira knows, we vote on that Saturday and, and sometimes those meetings can go seven or eight hours and then you take the results and you tell the winners and losers uh, of the results. But you do it that night and, and then the rest of the country knows that night who's in and who's not. How are you going to do it this year? Are you going to announce the results next Tuesday evening? Are you going to wait? And if you are going to wait, how are you going to keep it secret? You, you know, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, and uh, we're going to need all of our selectors' assistance to do that, and, and normally they're very, very good. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, it's important because we want to make sure that guys, uh, again, are treated well, you know, uh, and, and respected. Uh, there aren't any losers in this. There's only no. people that are honored, and some are selected. Um, but the actual – when the rest of the world will find out about this – the way they normally do, uh, and that will be uh, at the honor show. Wow! Uh, but but we're working, uh, you know, on a number of processes and perspectives of how to do this. 
but this is a lot of work in this environment right now, Clark, especially you know with COVID and everything else. Excuse me, I only ask one more question. How are you going to keep that under wraps for two and a half weeks, though? Because we can't keep it under wraps for two and a half hours on a Saturday. And then look at these 15 finalists. Uh, when was it? Two weeks ago, whenever it was, three weeks ago. But that couldn't, the, the embargo was 645. And then some website out of Joplin, Missouri had it at 515. Uh, when somebody's notified, they, they immediately tweet it out. You've got a real challenge to try to keep that under wraps. Yeah, I, you know, how we're going to do it, I don't know. I'm only going to tell you that, yes, I agree with you. It's a real challenge. And the only thing I can think of, because again, you know, we've got 48 guys who are this incredible selectors. You know, Peter King once told me that he does 120 interviews a year to get ready for that day, not for his job, to get ready on how he's going to vote that day. And I know all of you guys, people don't understand. It's not just that day. You're working on it year round. Right. And, and you're in the business of spreading the news, uh, you know, of not keeping it quiet. So it, it's a, it's an unnatural act. Um, but the only thing I can do, especially with guys like who are competent, strong-willed, intelligent, uh, independent guys like yourself and Ira, is remind you that I am 400 pounds and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> hey, David, David, you're sitting there uh, in a safe, you're, you're by a sacred room, David. Yeah. And, and I say that in all seriousness. A sacred room, the Hall of Bus, David. So I'm going to ask you, you know, on occasion, Dave, when your day is done at the office, you ever stroll through, David? You ever stroll through? What kind of emotions go through you? And can you hear a couple of conversations in there, my friend? You you know what it's about. Uh, The famous John Madden enshrinement speech, where he basically said, you know, he's convinced that when the last fan is left for the day and the janitor had swept the floor and turned out the lights, that all the bronze bust talked to each other. And, uh, two of your guys down there from Tampa, uh, Derek Brooks wanted to know where he was going to go. And, and it's very important to him. And I asked him where, and he says, yeah, and, and I said, listen, you're going to be in good shape because you're right on the other wall just across from Warren Sapp. And he said, I'll never get any rest. I don't want that. Um, and, and Coach Madden, if you talk to Coach Madden today, he's convinced that all those bronze busts talk to each other. But but what I will tell you is there's a lot of time. I remember one time I was getting out, out here preparing for enshrinement, and I was getting out of here at midnight, and it was just me. And, and I walked through there. And, and, um, and as I'm going through there, it's not a conversation, but if you recall, we have a TV set just outside that constantly replays all the enshrinement speeches of each of these guys so that their enshrinement speech lives here forever. Our job is to have their legacy here forever. And, um, you know, and I hear a speech of John Elway, who I knew from arena football before I ever came here. And he's talking about his dad. And man, I came right back inside and I shot him an email. Didn't want to call him because it was too late. But um, there is so much history here. And that's why we call it the most inspiring place on earth. Uh, We have people, uh, and I try to relate this and begin most of our selection meetings with stuff that you guys don't get to see. Uh, But pretty much every day, certainly every week, uh, we have people here who are terminally ill. And and they know there's hope because Roger Staubach threw a Hail Mary. And it happened. Uh, they understand, you know, family and comfort because our guys understand team. 
Um, and, and so, you know, it, it, it is a special place. It is a very special place. Uh, and, and it's not just the specialness. And if I could, let me, let me say one thing in continuance of that, Ira. But, you know, I, you know, I was thinking the other day uh, about Peyton Manning. You guys were both in the room when we uh, selected Brett Favre. And I turned to the guy from the Green Bay Gazette and said, you know, Brett Favre's next. Uh, you know, do you want to begin your presentation? He said, well, I got it, but do you really want one? And I looked around the room and, you know, I said, now let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how long it took. He, when I got up that day, he knew I was going to knock on his door and I knew what I, that I was going to knock on his door. But I tell you, many people ask me, which is my most special experience with a knock? And it's right up there at the top that when I told Brett Favre that he was one of the best, I think at the time it was 302 players, coaches, and contributors in the history of the game. He put his hands in his pocket and hung his head and, and said, thank you very much with the most humility uh, you can imagine. Because it wasn't Brett Favre, the 45-year-old veteran. Uh, it, it was Brett Favre, the 10-year-old kid. Yeah, it, it, That's where his journey began. And, and afterwards, we took him over to the honor show. And, and as you know, all of our guys who are in the audience come up and welcome them into this incredible fraternity. And I'm talking to him just before we start this press conference backstage. And I said, how are you doing? He says, are you kidding? I just shook the hand of Roger Staubach. Mm -hmm. And I thought these guys would have played golf or something. So I kind of laughed and said, no, you don't understand. All my life, I dreamed of being Roger Staubach. And he said, now, I guess I'm on his team, aren't I? And I said, yeah, you are forever. So, Dave, uh, it's, Dave. It's a motion. Uh, last one from me, Dave. Thanks so much for doing this, David. Um, now, you talked about knocking on doors, and I know it's a great moment for you. Um, and I've seen a lot of the videos, Dave, a lot of the videos. But one that jumps out at me, and I want you to talk about it in terms of pure, pure emotion, Steve Hutchinson. Yeah. Steve Hutchinson. What, what was that moment like, David? You know, I, I sometimes think for the guys who are first ballot Hall of Famers, I think sometimes that they might miss out on how special this is. And I don't know how long, I think it was like five times that Hutch had been invited. And you know, I, I've seen this over and over again. When, 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 you know, Morton Anderson, I think it was probably like eight or nine times he'd been a finalist. And I had to tell him he wasn't selected. And when I did, he cried on my shoulders for two minutes and got a little uncomfortable at one point, <laughs> but uh, he cried. And, and, and Hutch was, uh, his wife took a video of him inside before I knocked and he's just pacing back and forth. He's pacing back and forth. And we actually saved him for last because they're all on different floors and we kind of start, you know, uh, on the lower floor and go to the top floor. And, um, and when I got to him, he says, he said, why'd you save me for last? <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter is, here's what I say to him. Uh, you know, I, I don't say, hey, congratulations, you got selected. What I say to him is, welcome to Canton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. You know, for every player that ever plays the game, they want to end their career in Canton. Whether they're drafted, and by the way, we have more undrafted free agents of the Hall of Fame than number one overall picks. So I say, 
congratulations, welcome to Canton, Ohio. Um, and then I say that the Pro Football Hall of Fame will guard your legacy forever. And, and that's our job. That's our, we lost a couple guys over the holidays, Kevin Green and Floyd Little. And we will forever, the guy that has Dave Baker's job 100 Dave Bakers from now, will tell the story of Floyd Little and Kevin Green, not just the players that they were and not just their stats. All you need is a computer for that. But really, you know, the people they are. We take enormous video and we get into their hearts and their minds. And, you know, Kevin Green, you know, who was a reserve army ranger and a parachutist and loved the uh, America so much. And there's so much to it of guarding their legacy. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the guys told me one time that it was like, you know, when they put that gold jacket on, it was like wrapping the entire history of the league around them from the day they first, you know, laced up a pigskin to the last presentation of the Lombardi trophy. So um, Hutch was, Hutch understands that, Uh, you know, later on he was talking to me and he, you know, when I told him we weren't going to be able to go forward this year, the only thing he cared about was, am I going to have the opportunity to walk the gauntlet next year? And he will. When we give the coat, they walk that gauntlet of all those guys who are in the Hall of Fame. And and it's incredible. Uh, Kurt Warner looked down that gauntlet and said, oh, my God, these are all my heroes. But but I, I will tell you that, you know, and, and this is always a difficult thing, but uh, you know, I've never been a great respecter of fame because I've known so many famous people and man, a whole lot of them are unhappy. But I'll tell you, you get, you get into that room with the gold jackets and there's a whole lot of character in that room. And, and I think that's what those guys feel when, 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 when they're told that it's part of the history, the legacy, their own journey uh, of what it is but also knowing that, you know, that somebody's saying, well done, good and faithful servant, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and it's hard. I, you know, you guys get accosted all the time about the guys who aren't in the hall of fame, right. but the guys who are in are defined by the guys who aren't in there yeah. and it's hard and it should be hard. Yeah. Hey, Clark, Clark, I got one more quick one, one more sure. quick one. Yeah. And um, Dave, this is an observation, Dave, you tell me, You're around these guys more than I am. But here's my observation, Dave, over 15 years of watching the Hall of Famers. And I watch them when they pose for that picture, Dave, on the steps on Friday morning. And Mr. Baker, here's what I'm saying. Of all these great living Hall of Famers, all of them, in my opinion, one guy commands more respect and awe than all the rest. And Mr. Baker, in my opinion, judging how he's treated by the other Hall of Famers, it is Mr. Jim Brown. Do you agree with that assessment, David? A- absolutely. And, and I don't know if it's because he's the greatest football player of all time, which many think he is, or it's just because they respect him as a man and the journey he's made and the whole social justice issues that he was into back then. But I'll tell you, when we were in, uh, we went to Israel twice. Uh, and, um, you know, met with Benjamin Netanyahu and other guys. And they don't know that he doesn't know the difference between Jerry Jones and Jerry Rice, but he knows what that gold jacket stands for. And, and so I would frequently be in a position of introducing the guys we had with us. So I, we had uh, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, Chris Carter, all kinds of stars. 
and, and when you had mentioned their names, Ira, they, you know, the crowd just gives them a standing ovation. But when you mentioned Jim Brown's name and I introduced him, all the other gold jackets would stand up. Wow. And so I do think that there's some of that, and I would respectfully say, it, 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 yes, it has a lot to do with him as a dominant football player, but I also think it has a lot to do with him as a man. When we were in Israel, I had some conversations with him on the bus and in the hotel and other stuff, and frankly, I will tell you um, that I would have crawled on my hands and knees to the other face of the earth. Uh, on the other side of the earth to have the conversations I had with him. Um, and, 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 but I, I think that there's a little bit of that about every one of our guys. You know, these aren't guys who, you know, when guys in the league, they're, man, they're, they're all, they're millionaires overnight. They're dealing with all kinds of fame and all kinds of people grabbing at them. You know, our guys in the hall of fame have the benefit of time and that time gives them perspective and they're different people today looking back on that experience and all they've learned, Jim Brown is, uh, you know, than they were then. And so I have really enjoyed being with these guys on a personal level because uh, we all think that they fell out of bed great, Ira, and in reality, not one of them did. I mean, maybe, maybe Randy Moss. We could, Randy Moss showed up at a track meet, wasn't on the track team, and, and, and the coach asked him to run the – 400 meters and he ended up with the second best time in the country that year. But even Randy Moss would be the first one to tell you, he had to go through other problems, uh, uh, emotional issues. And, but they all had this drive. They all have this perseverance. They all have this intensity, but they also have this leadership where they drug other people with them. And when they did that, they fought to be great. You know, even Jim Brown fought to be great. And he got bloodied and he got dirtied. And, and, uh, and these guys don't come here with a clean uniform. You know, greatness comes with, uh, you know, mud, dirt, you know, snot coming out of their nose, blood coming out of their mouth. And they fought to be great. And to me, as they get older and they have a perspective, that, that's, that same excellence can be applied to anything, to, to journalism, like you guys, to uh, in business, like, like myself, to, you know, for, for our communities, for our countries. And, and by the way, they were on the cutting edge of racial relations. You know, these guys uh, lived together, showered together, fought together. They were brothers together. And, and there's a lot that we can learn from them in that regard as well. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you talk uh, about Jim Brown, because I hear some broadcasters, writers today referring to somebody as, oh, he reminds me of Jim Brown. It's the closest thing to Jim Brown. I go, wait a minute, I'm old enough to have seen Jim Brown. There's Jim Brown and there's everybody else, okay? There's only one Jim Brown. They may remind you of Jim Brown, but nobody's even close. Um, David, I've got one last question too, and it goes on to next week's meeting. Um, and it's the last one, but you're doing it virtually. We're doing it virtually. And I would assume it's going to be lengthy. As I said earlier, sometimes our meetings go, what, seven, eight hours, you know, because we take numbers of breaks. But um, if you're going to do this virtually, and I assume by Zoom call, how can you keep the attention of your audience, the 48 selectors and others, for seven to eight hours? Yeah, well, well basically what's going to happen is we're going to start the meeting and you're never going to be able to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. 
I, I know the capacity of some of our selectors. You know, <laughs> they're going to have to. They can't speak as long if that's the case. You know, I, I, you know uh, seriously, Clark. I mean, we, you know, we've gone through a lot of this, and you know, this will be the first time we've ever done this. Yep. Uh, you know, with forty-eight guys. Now, we did have the experience because of COVID, as you know. I think uh, you guys were involved. We had a seniors committee and coaches committee, and then we also have a contributors committee. And we did that virtually. Now, again, that was only five guys and some consultants and right. some of my staff. But it actually went faster. That's what I heard. You know, than we normally do now. Um, but the, but from my perspective, I mean, you've been in there where, um, you know, it, I, I will only say that sometimes it does help to be 400 pounds because we're getting guys to move fast because normally – you know, we go seven, eight, maximum of 10 hours. But, I mean, we're starting at 6.30 in the morning on most of those mornings. And we've got to get it done because there's a honor show that night. Yeah, right. That right. we got to get done. And uh, I, 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 the debate is always strong. It's full. But, you know, sometimes I'm having to move guys along. And, and, and in this instance, um, I, I don't think it's a license to talk longer or an excuse to talk longer. But, but we won't have that, that time limit. When we did Blue Ribbon Committee, I think we got started at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning and we finished at 9.30 at night. Wow. And, and again, I've shared this with all of you, but you know, this was a great moment for me because uh, you know, on that group, uh, I, I, you know, we, not only had, we had a majority of our selectors, we had a number of Hall of Famers and football people who played the game. But we went and got a few more football people, and Coach Bilicek was one of those guys. Right. And at the end of that evening, uh, he stood up and he said, hey, I want you to know that being at this place at this time for this purpose, this has just been one of the best days of my life. And, and, and here's a guy who's got eight rings, two as an assistant, six as a head coach, saying how important this was. And, and so I don't know how long it'll go. We don't have a limit like we normally do, uh, but experience has told us that this might go faster. Yeah. We, we think it can be very orderly, and I think this voting tabulation, uh, as you know, you know, we, you know, we probably spend, you know, I would say maybe a total of an hour or more, count, you know, counting ballots, uh, you know, in previous yeah. meetings. Yeah. Um, last question here. What time are we going to start, David? Uh, you know what? Uh, you're going to get a notice of that, but as I understand, <laughs> it's going to be 9.30 Eastern oh, time. Oh, whoa! Oh my gosh. And, and that is for some of the guys who will be on the West coast. Okay. Uh, but again, I think we can, uh, you know, the good news is, you know, we, we, we will still have a limit on presentations. So, you know, Ira is probably given the, you know, like South Palantonio wants you to give all the presentations, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but to, to me, while I say that as a joke, uh, sometimes it's hard to cut the debate because, yeah, right. It, it is such good stuff and guys take it so seriously. And, and then sometimes we as a room get a little tired and we start, you know, going into stories and, you know, I try to limit that because we don't have time, but by, by the way, there's some of the greatest stories ever in the history of the game. <laughs> and and uh, our job is to keep history and yeah. preserve history. So guys, I appreciate you. I appreciate all our selectors. Uh, I hope fans know how seriously you take this. Uh, it, it is, uh, in coming here, to me, I shouldn't have been surprised, but it was one of the things that I respect the most, that our selectors take this enormously seriously. And it's not just because they've got to face the guys who aren't selected, 
but because it is a tough, tough choice to go into that room with 15 modern era finalists and, and, and three more who are seniors, contributors, and a coach, um, 18 guys in that room, and to come out with anywhere between four and eight, it's hard. So thank you guys for that. I think, uh, I think you're doing a great service to the game. David Baker, president and CEO of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thanks so much for the time. And we'll see you literally next week at 9.30 a.m. Thanks, David. Thank you, guys. Love you. Appreciate all you do for the game. Thanks, David. Take care. That was Pro Football Hall of Fame's David Baker and Ira. Um, I loved what he had to say about Jim Brown. Good question about him because a lot of people today say, Jim Brown, great running back, (laughs) greatest running back, and maybe the greatest player of all time. No question about it. I think he stands apart, Clark, and that's not easy to do with, with all these great names and players. I think he just walked into the room, Ira. <laughs> They're cheering for somebody. No, wait a minute. That was our weekly I Was There segment. And Ira, I was there on Saturday, December 31st, 1994, for the first round playoff game between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. It was at Lambeau Field. It was 32 degrees, the wind chill was 25, and the Packers were favorite. They were four-and-a-half-point favorite. They ended up winning the game 16-12, to 12, and it was their first playoff win in a non-strike season since 1967, and that was the dime that they won Super Bowl II. But that's not what I remember most. If you had to sort of remember what you remember most of the game, there were two things, and this is the first one. So many good stories in this game. Let's start with Barry Sanders with two minutes to go. The league's leading rusher, one of the greatest years ever in the NFL. He has now carried 13 times for no yards. That's right, zero yards. Well, actually, Brent Musburger was wrong there. He had 13 carries for minus one yard. That was the worst performance in his career. And Ira, the way they did it was... They lined up Reggie White, not a defensive end. Fritz Shermer, defense coordinator, put him inside. The reason he switched him inside was so the Lions couldn't run away from him. And remember, after the game, Vito Stellino, who was a Hall of Fame voter, he uh, stepped down this year, but former Hall of Fame voter, he was a colleague of mine at the Baltimore Sun. I have enormous respect for him. But Vito, after that game, called it the equivalent, quote, of holding Michael Jordan without a basket, unquote. And I thought that was absolutely right. And the interesting thing is, after carrying three times in the first series in that game, he never carried more than twice in any other series. And the Lions had a chance to win that game at the end, and they gave him the ball. He didn't do anything with it. And his longest carry that day was seven yards. So, you know, what was um Clark, was the footing treacherous no, that afternoon? No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It's just that they, they had outfoxed him. And they really had. Fritz Schirmer threw something at him with Reggie White that they didn't expect. And um, as I said, I remember just go, looking at it going, I can't believe he can't break loose. But anyway, that was one of the things. I said there were two. And there were two. The second thing was the Packers, as I said, won 16 to 12. They were leading 16 to 10 as the Lions were driving at the end of the game. And they came close. They were inside the 20. And then... Dave Craig took a sack and then threw the ball out of the end zone to Herman Moore at the fourth down. And so that was it. So they're, they're going to win 16 to 10. But they were backed up, you know, inside their, I don't know, 15, 10. So they were down and deep in their end, end zone. And it's fourth down for the Packers. They're up 16 to 10. Remember what I said. The Packers were favored by four and a half points. 
So Mike Holmgren has Craig Hendrick, the punter, run out of the end zone at the end of the game. Okay, so they went 16 to 12. Well, millions of dollars change hands, right? <laughs> there was a Hall of Fame voter and a longtime colleague of mine and yours who's no longer with us, passed away, who I knew bet on games. I knew he did. And he was always involved. So we go to the press conference afterwards. Holmgren gets up there. They've won their first playoff victory in a non-strike season since 1967. They just held Barry Sanders to minus one yard. And this guy raises his hand. He has the first question. Coach, why in the world did you run out of the end zone at the back of, at the end of the game? It made no sense. You were up by six. You won by four. Why would you do that? And I looked at someone and said, he bet the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of nerve, Clark, after a game like that, yeah. for that to be the initial question. Wow. It does, it does take a lot of nerve. And speaking of nerve, Ira, you got a lot of nerve for final thoughts here? Quick final thought, Clark, and I think you're with me on this. Uh, football fans are bracing, Clark, for the best weekend of the year. Right. The best weekend. Uh, and it's capped by the, you know, the two, the two old-timers, the odd couple, uh, you know, Brady and Breeze. But, Clark, there's other great matchups because two, two games feature four very good young quarterbacks, you know. And then you got the Rams with a very good defense. Right. You know, and, and the guy that's going to win the MVP is Aaron Rodgers. Correct. And so that's a good matchup, Clark. Best weekend of the football season. Agree with you. Every week, every year, best weekend. But I want to send a shout out to one of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, and that's the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. And not because our, uh, he's having an MVP season, because he is, but because he said he'll guest host a future Jeopardy show. And I think that's pretty cool. I think the Packers fans would like the next answer to be, uh, okay, uh, uh, you know, uh, Aaron, I'm going to the category sports. Okay, sports for 100. All right. Uh, team that won Super Bowl 55. Uh, who are the Packers? You are correct, sir. <laughs> anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, Ira, that's going to do it. Uh, please tell people where they can find you on Twitter. At iKaufman76, my friend. And our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon, has been with us all day. Been pretty quiet, but Ian, where can they find you? It's at IGLEN31. Great. And you can find me on Twitter at, at ClarkJudgeTOF. And if we don't hear from you there... You'll hear from us right here on the iTest for Two on FullPressRadio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>